There were two more murders 15 miles when away. We arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. Luck and good charm can only get you so far. On September 20th, 1880, a woman was born who would spend years getting by on her good looks and smooth talking. Until one day, it all came crashing down. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Louise P. was born Louise Pessler on September 20th, 1880, into a prominent and wealthy family in Bienville, Louisiana. From the get-go, Louise was trouble. She was expelled from her private school in New Orleans at 15 for stealing from her classmates and engaging in promiscuous behavior. And from then on, the charming, sophisticated girl was known for talking and flirting her way out of a jam. In 1903, she married a traveling salesman named Henry Bosley, who, after just four years of marriage, killed himself after finding Louise in bed with another man. After he died, she moved to Shreveport, where she worked as a high-class call girl and, to earn some extra cash, stole money from her clients. By 1911, she was in Boston, Massachusetts, living under the name Louise Gold, saying she was a 19-year-old Dallas heiress named R.H. Rosley, that she had run away from a convent and needed a place to stay. With this ruse, she was able to stay in the home of a wealthy Boston family and become intertwined in their social world. She started buying items at some of the most expensive stores in the area and charging it to the family's credit. After stealing some money and the family finding out her true identity, the police offered to let her leave town instead of embarrassing the family with a public trial. So she moved on to Waco, Texas, where she became romantically involved with an oil baron named Joe Appel. Just a week after they met, Joe was found shot to death, his expensive jewelry missing. Louise was arrested for the murder, but somehow convinced the grand jury that she killed him in self-defense when he tried to rape her. She was released and moved on to Dallas in 1913, where she met and married Harry Farote, a night clerk who worked at the St. George Hotel. They married, and pretty soon after, Louise stole about $20,000 in jewels from the hotel safe. Harry, of course, was a suspect, but was cleared of any involvement. His wife, however, remained a suspect, but there wasn't enough evidence to charge her. Shortly after the whole ordeal, Harry was found shot to death, but police ruled it as a suicide, feeling as though Harry ended his life over the embarrassment of the accusation, as well as his wife's known infidelities. Louise didn't let her husband's death drag her down, and by 1915, she was in Denver, Colorado, where she married a salesman named Richard Pete, and together they had a daughter named Frances Ann but their marriage was not known as a happy one. They argued constantly, and by 1920, they were separated, and Louise abandoned both him and her daughter and moved to Los Angeles. Here, she met Jacob C. Denton, a recent widower with a teenage daughter who made millions as a mining engineer. Originally, she chatted with him about renting one of his 14-room Tudor mansions, which he initially charged $350 a month for, but was somehow talked down to $75 a month by Louise. But how their relationship evolved after her move in May 26 is unclear. However, just a week later, Jacob disappeared and Louise hired a gardener to transport a load of dirt into the basement for, as she was claiming, to grow mushrooms. Just three days later, she was forging his signature to withdraw money and gain access to his safe deposit box. 
When the unusual signature was questioned, Luis stated that he was shot by a, quote, mysterious Spanish-looking woman and had to have his arm amputated, that he signed the documents with his left hand, and the reason for his seclusion was he was ashamed of his new handicapped. And she kept up this facade despite the concern of Jacob's associates and family, though the story did seem to change every now and again. She spent his money, drove his car, pawned his jewelry, rented out rooms, and posed as Jacob's unconcerned wife. Around the time she began pocketing rent checks from various properties, Jacob's teenage daughter hired an attorney to try and find her father. The attorney questioned Louise, who said she did not know where Jacob Denton was, but she would forward any financial documents to him as soon as possible. However, the following month, Louise Pete rented out the mansion and returned to her estranged husband and daughter in Denver. With Louise out of the home, Jacob Denton's daughter was finally able to get on the premises. On September 23rd, a private detective searched the home and found Jacob's decomposing body buried in a wooden cubicle under the stairs of the basement. He had been shot in the head, strangled, bound in cord, and wrapped in quilt, his right arm still attached. Police tracked Louise down in Denver and questioned her about the murder. She maintained the story of the Spanish woman, saying that she must have come back to finish the job. When they told her that his arm was still there, she claimed the body they found must not have been Jacob Denton's, but a body double who Jacob had killed. She was brought back to L.A. and indicted on one charge of first-degree murder. Her salacious trial began on January 21, 1921, and was covered by media nationwide. Thousands lined up to watch her enter the courtroom as she became a celebrity of sorts. Despite her claims of innocence, she was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment on February 17, 1921. Richard Pete remained by his wife's side through the entire trial and two years into her sentence. In 1923, she told him he should divorce her so he could remarry, which he did, but vowed to wait for her forever. She stopped writing him shortly after the divorce and refused to see him. Richard Pete shot himself in an Arizona hotel room in 1924. Considered a model prisoner, Louise Pete was released on parole in 1939 and lived with Jesse Marcy, the woman who lobbied for her release, until her natural death shortly thereafter. She then moved in with her probation officer, who died from a heart attack in 1943. Neither deaths, though determined to be natural, were ever investigated by police. Were never investigated, as police were unaware of her record. Louise then changed her name to Anna Lee and moved in with Arthur and Margaret Logan in Pacific Palisades. Margaret, who was a retired social worker and knew Louise from prison, believed the woman to be innocent and asked her to work as the elderly couple's housekeeper and nurse for Arthur, who had suffered from dementia. Louise worked well for the couple and in 1944 married a man named Lee Borden Judson, who had no idea about her criminal past. Then, on June 1, 1944, Margaret Logan disappeared and Louise, claiming to be her foster sister, committed Arthur to a state hospital. When asked where Margaret was, Louise stated that Arthur, in a fit due to his illness, attacked his wife and bit off her nose. That she was left disfigured and went off to get plastic surgery to fix it. She kept up this lie for six months while she and Lee lived in the Logans' home, all while Louise kept spending their money. Arthur died in the hospital on December 6, 1944, and Louise donated his body to science. 
The bank, noticing the forgeries, called the police and an investigation began. On December 20th, six months after her disappearance, Margaret was found decomposing in a shallow grave under an avocado tree in the backyard. Louise was arrested and, again, charged with murder. She claimed that Margaret was bludgeoned and shot by her husband and that her only role was the disposal of the body. But police weren't buying it. Her husband, Lee Borden Judson, was arrested on January 11th, but released with no evidence connecting him to his wife's crime. The following day, he jumped from the ninth floor of the Spring Arcade. Louise Pete was brought to trial on April 23, 1945, and on May 31st, the jury found her guilty and sentenced her to death. As her sentence was being read, she sat in the courtroom reading The Importance of Living, a Chinese philosophy book, looked up briefly just to make a crude facial expression at the judge, and then resumed reading. Louise was executed in the gas chamber on April 11, 1947, making her the second woman in California history to be executed by the state. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.